Hello and welcome to We Came From The 80s, the podcast where we talk about movies we thought were cool. I'm your host, Farron, and today I'm joined by a lady who, if I look straight at her, she'll turn me to stone. Hello, Heather. You've seen my COVID hair. Yeah. So today we are doing the original Clash of the Titans, which premiered on the 12th of June, 1981. It was directed by Desmond Davis, who pretty much came from TV and went right back to it. I don't get why, because <laughs> I, I, I thought he was really good. Like, I, I thought he did a fine job. Um, it was written by Beverly Cross. She'd also done Jason and the Argonauts and at least one of the Sinbad movies. So she'd worked with Ray Harryhausen before. Yeah. And it was starring Harry Hamlin. As, are we good? Oh, yeah. yeah. My cats are being strange behind me. Excellent. Uh, so it's starring Harry Hamlin as Perseus, uh, Laurence Olivier as Zeus, and, yeah. um, and Prof- Professor McGonagall, Maggie Smith, she's in that too. Uh, it had a big cast, and apparently that's what finally sold the studio on doing it, that they were able to get like La- Sir Lawrence Olivier to play Zeus. But like, who else do you choose, right? <laughs> Sir Lawrence yeah. Olivier. And he wasn't He wasn't Sir yet, though. Uh, probably at that point. I, actually, I don't know. I don't know when he was. He wasn't. That may be a British thing. I don't know, oh. to be perfectly honest, but... Uh, uh, so this is a Ray Harryhausen movie, and for you know this is the this first last and only Ray Harryhausen film from the eighties. Uh, but this guy had been working in film since nineteen forty two, and actually I think this was his last film. So he had done the Sinbad movies, he had done Jason and the Argonauts, Earth versus the Sla- the Flying Saucer, uh, It Came from Beneath the Sea, and he, like his inspiration was the original King Kong from like was it the twenties or thirties. And he had said in interviews, he knew that he was not looking at a dude in a suit and he wanted to understand what it was. And of course it was stop motion animation. And he became the guy for that. Like, so in J- is it Jason and the Argonauts has got the fighting skeletons in it. And he had to, he had to color code them so he could remember which one was which when he moved them. So like <laughs> stop, yeah. So stop motion animation for the younger uh, listeners here. That's where you have a bunch of models you take a picture. And you move them a little bit and you take another picture and you move them again and you take another picture and you do that for like 26 frames a second or whatever it is. It's really time consuming, uh, but it's it's got a good style to it. And you can always tell when it's being done here in the movie, like it's hard to hide. But he was 22 years old when he started and he retired after this movie and it was a hell of a career. But in many ways, this film, I think, was a throwback to those films from the 50s and 60s. Like, it was almost retro for its day. Um, Very much. Not not even almost. It was. Yeah, like, I really got that feeling of the old. Like, it reminded me a lot of, uh, like, Ben-Hur or the Ten Commandments. You know, like, these old epic movies and how they were always just, they were not meant to be realistic. Like, there was no attempt at that. And this felt like that. It's like they just went for it. And I got to tell you, this movie brings me nothing but joy to watch. Because as a kid, I love this film. Uh, you, you saw it as a kid as well? Yep, yeah. absolutely. Um, it's like eight or something. Yeah, well, 1981, I would have been, well, this was, what is it, June, so I would have been like seven. I had, remember the lunchboxes we all had as kids? They were these plastic boxy things. They were various colors, and the only real difference was they slapped a different sticker on the front. And the, you, the thermos was supposed to stay on the top, and it never did? Bingo. Yeah, yeah. I had the Clash of the Titans one. It was yellow. Uh, and it was just the the poster of the film with uh, Perseus on Pegasus with, you know, Medusa's head and the Kraken in the in the front. Uh, my sister had uh, all the same one, except hers, I think, was like purple or something. And it was Garfield. 
but or orange, I guess. Well, whatever. The point yeah, is, sure. there were you know dozens of these things pumped out by a company. Yeah, yeah but like, every kid had that, and mine was you know, mine was that. I also had a lot of the toys. I had Perseus. I had Pegasus. I had Calibos. You know, the prick with the with the tail. Mm-hmm. It was funny because after I saw the film, I cut his hand off because I wanted it to be authentic. <laughs> so I actually cut his hand off with a pair of scissors. My mother was so angry. She says, why would you do that? I said, well, because that's what Perseus did in the film. and cut his hand off. <laughs> Look, now he matches. Yeah. Uh, and then his tail broke off at some point. And I had Charon, the ferryman. Cool. Yeah, that was actually a really, really cool one. And he doubled up for the Emperor when I played Star Wars because I didn't have an Emperor Good figure. Choice. So, yeah, it worked really well. So this was made on a budget of shock of shocks, fifteen million, the <laughs> standard, yeah, and made forty-one. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so they they pulled it off. Apparently, this film they had a lot of trouble getting it done. It had been floating around since the seventies. Initially, it was much more graphic. Uh, the Gorgon uh, tearing apart Pegasus, uh, Andromeda they had portrayed more accurately based on the Greek myth, which is her spread eagle and naked when chained to the rock. And, you know, the film company said, uh, dude, no. PG, no, it's a, it's a kid's film. I'm sorry. No. Uh, and there was a lot of back and forth and a lot of fighting. And I guess it was Laurence Olivier saying, yeah, I'll do this. That finally brought everything together. Apparently there was some strife, but, you know, every movie has strife. No, like no movie got off to a good start and then went perfectly. Every movie has a gong show somewhere along the line because it's just the nature of movies i mean it's you know, it's a big project yeah yeah you take 400 people and put them on a, a project tell me there's not going to be something that goes wrong this just all happened to happen early on but uh i can't help but wonder if this movie is going to get more play now that the new nhl team is the uh, seattle kraken oh because that's what the kraken is he's you know well he's the kraken by the way the clash of the titans there are no titans in this film yeah no titans so <laughs> there's well, the limp i think they might be using the other definition like big big Maybe, I guess, but the Greek Titan is like the generation of gods before the Olympian yeah. gods, and none yeah. of them are here. Zero. But yeah. There, there are no Titans. In either yeah. version of, of, of Clash of the Titans, there are no Titans. Oh, that 2012 version? Oh, God, that was so bad. Um, I was so bored. I pulled out my flip phone and was reading work emails. That wow. is how bored I was. I, I was like, I almost left because I didn't care. There's about half an hour of that film that I honest to God don't remember seeing because I watched it three years ago. Again, there are parts I don't remember because I was reading work emails on a Friday night because it was more interesting than the movie. It was like Ouch. Liam Neeson. Yeah. Like Liam Neeson did a fine job as Zeus and what's his, What's his name? Uh, Hades. Um, he played Voldemort. Oh, uh, Ralph. Yeah, that. Yeah, th- that guy. Um, Ralph. Uh, the, Ralph. Um, Fines. Fines. Yeah, yeah and, and I and I guess they did a fine job, but it was just a bad film. Like it was very violent. It was a special effects fest. I mean, this was too. It's a Ray Harryhausen film, but I didn't care about any of the characters. Here, I thought the characters were interesting. I love Burgess Meredith's character, Amon, the the theater dude. Like yeah, this is Bur- great. Yeah, like this is Burgess Meredith, like the the penguin from the you know the Batman '60s show. I'm going to unleash the most bizarre, senseless barrage of umbrellas onto Gotham City. And more importantly, Mickey from the Rocky films. That Apollo won't know what hit him. You're going to roll over him like a bulldozer, an Italian bulldozer. You know, kid, I know how you feel about this fight that's coming up, because I was young once too. 
And I tell you something. Well, if he wasn't here, he, I probably wouldn't be alive today. The fact that you're here and doing as well as you're doing gives me, what do you call it, a motivation, huh? To stay alive. Uh, like, it's got a huge cast. Livia from I, Claudius. You know what? I'm embarrassed to Cass- say I've never seen Cassiopeia. that. Cassiopeia. Cassiopeia, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm embarrassed to say I've never seen I, Claudius. I really should. I've got it oh, waiting to be watched. But, yeah. Um, my parents, well, my mom did Masterpiece Theater a lot. Ah. So. Yeah. I, I've got a degree in ancient and medieval history. You'd think I would have watched the damn thing. Never got around to it. <laughs> but at some point I will. It's but, long. Uh, yeah, it's like eight episodes or something like that. But, uh, you know, I know a lot about Claudius. The uh, my, pro- my professor used to say he was probably the last guy to speak and write in Etruscan. But that's a little that's that's several tangents away from where we're supposed to be. Uh, so did you see this in theaters or was this a VHS? Oh, or? It was on TV. Um, oh, okay. Possibly in Masterpiece Theater. Really? My dad was a big fan of this one. Of Cla- well, my, my dad was a big fan of uh Housen. Ray Harryhausen, okay. And uh yeah, like this this was my introduction to Greek mythology. Me too. And me too. I loved it. It hooked me. Yeah. I, to to this day I'm super interested in Greek mythology because of this movie. Yeah, yeah, it's um it, it's super cool. The, you know the the gods all seem interesting. It does uh, okay, this will sound weird. It does an accurate portrayal of the Greek gods, which is like okay, well yeah, their stories, but okay, sorry, that's what religion is. But the, the <laughs> fighting gods, and screwing. What's that? Fighting and screwing. Uh, the, yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah. Like the big thing is, is, is you ever see the movie Troy? A Brad Pitt movie? No. Okay, it's actually not bad, but they took the gods out of the story. The whole point of Troy was the gods were screwing around, manipulating humans, and it ends in a war. Like there's mm-hmm. a point in the story of Troy where Zeus pulls Ares off the field of battle and says, stop screwing around, stop whining, just sit down and let this play out. And in this movie, they do a wonderful job of showing that they almost like they actually portray humans as in this case, clay figurines. They're yeah. literally treating them like chess pieces. Action uh, figures. Yeah. Yeah. And when they set them down, they put them in what is essentially an amphitheater. Like you will now dance for my amusement, essentially. Though, of course, the the uh... what is that your cat? Uh, yes, he's having an argument with the blinds. Excellent. You know, they have that like so the sort of miniature stadium, and they actually put the the clay statues in there, and it's it really talk. You know, it really shows how these gods view the humans. They're playthings. And yeah, like they make no, they make no bones about it. Zeus is a player. Zeus likes to rape. Zeus likes to seduce. One thing they don't talk about here is that Perseus's mother, he, they actually do, actually, sorry, they do mention it. uh, She's locked in a tower, but she's so beautiful and daddy doesn't want her whisked away by some guy. So she locked, she's locked in a tower. And so Zeus comes to her in a shower of gold and impregnates her, which I don't think is the kinky thing we think of now. It's not not that. It's it's literal a shower of gold coins or whatever, and somehow impregnates her. But he did it as a duck once. That's how he started the Trojan War by following Leta as a duck. 
Hey, um, ducks are fascinating. Yeah, but you wouldn't have sex with one. And I don't want to know if... Well, one was a human. Yeah, but... Uh, Other ducks, though, it seems to be. Yeah, but Lita was a human, so... But so this is what he does, and... You know, like, it's it's kind of funny to watch all the goddesses talk about him, like, what an idiot he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah and, and, and they're all willing to defy him. Like, they all do what he says. But then they go behind his back and screw with him and mess up his plans because, like, yeah, he may be the king of... He may be, like, ruler of the gods, but he's a dick, and they all know it. And that is Zeus. Like, that's who Zeus is. He's not the Judeo-Christian... Like, he looks like the Judeo-Christian God, or more to the point, the Judeo-Christian God looks like Zeus. But he's not him. He's not this perfect dude sitting on a throne. He's a prick. <laughs> and Laurence Olivier does a great job of that. I love it. Um, you know, um, but yeah, I'm the same as you. Like, I I watch this and like, this is cool stuff. And I like the look of it, like the shields and the swords and everything about it was so cool. You know? I just, I got a kick out of it. I, I love this film and I was worried that maybe I wouldn't like it now. Maybe I'd be bored with it or I would find it dated, but I didn't. I take just as much joy out of this as I, as I did when I was a kid. I had, I had the same concern. I was afraid the hokey would overtake the interesting, but it didn't. It's funny. I don't find anything here really hokey. I mean, the special effects aren't great, but it was 1981 and they had 15 million bucks and they were using like... it was remarkable for the time. Yeah. But some of those cutscenes where they're fighting like the two-headed wolf and like the yeah. when the humans are interacting with the, with stop, the motion, stop motion. Yeah. Oh, that, those are. It, yeah, it looks bad, and that's because there's only so much they could do. Uh, yeah. But it, it's sort of like when I heard they were you know like remastering the original Star Trek. It's like if that's why you're watching Star Trek, you are watching for the wrong reason, and it's the same here. Though I remember hearing an interview with some guy who says, you know, I show my daughters like Jason and the Argonauts and they see the skeletons fighting and they don't know it's it's not state of the art CGI. They love that stuff. They think it's cool looking. And and so the, the special effects just don't bother me at all. But some of it, I think they do quite well. Yeah, um, some of them, mm-hmm. the special effects will, will ruin it for me because it's what I'm there for. Mm-hmm. This one, I'm here for the story. Yeah, there are some great special effects and we'll get to them. One of them is especially chilling to me. Um, which was just done, which was drawn. It was animated, but uh, yeah. So shall we just jump in? Yep. All right. You, you want you want the first bad effect? It's the little seagull on a stick. Oh yeah, it's, with the uh, with the uh, <laughs> the shadow. The string. It's yeah. funny. I, oh yeah, the uh, th- that's uh, well, that comes a little later because it's Zeus, right? Is that the one you're talking about? It's right. In the, it's right in the intro. It's right in the credits. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's but there's a there's a pre-credit scene. Remember. Um, yeah. So it's yeah. It starts off with the king of Argos, you know, who who's pissed off at his daughter who has a baby who is unwed. I got the impression that he knew it was Zeus, and essentially locks them in a casket, casket, and, and sends them off to sea, which is kind of scary. Like even as a kid, I recognize like Jesus, that's pretty brutal. You know, he's pissed off. Mostly, he's jealous that Zeus had his way with his daughter. Um, yeah. She's and also. Yeah, and she's not pure; she's defiled. It doesn't matter that it's God's kid; it's de- defiled is defiled. Uh, virgin birth, this ain't. Um, well, no. so yeah, so they lock her in a casket, which I thought was a really nice piece of prop design. It's a really good looking casket, um, nice. and casts her out to sea. And then we see, and this of course it happens on a beach, and we see a seagull, and the seagull 
throughout the credits flies through rivers and valleys and over the ocean and up a mountain. And yeah, it's, um, you know, you're, you're sort of seeing behind the seagull, I guess, third person view to put it in video game terms. And yeah, it's, it's not a great, uh, it's not a great effect. It's very clear. They had this, this poor wooden seagull in front of a green screen, but then they arrive at Olympus. And I love like, to me, this is Olympus. Even now this Greek city high up in the mountains. Well, on, well, duh, on Mount Olympus. Did you you didn't play Assassin's Creed Odyssey, did you? No, I haven't. They kind of borrowed the look when you go to when you do go to Olympus in one of the the deal in one of the wackier DLCs. It look it, it when I when I played it, it immediately reminded me of the set design here. And so Zeus touches down, and I think they just have him fly behind a pillar, and he emerges as Sir Lawrence Olivier. And the one thing here that of course they get wrong is everyone here is dressed in white. All the statues are white. Of course, Greeks and Romans painted their statues. And their togas were many colors, but okay, whatever. Yeah, move on, right? But you sort of see them staying or you know, all I, these I don't think they've figured that out yet in the eighties. That was um, a, that was a fairly recent thing, wasn't well, it? I think it's mostly had it hadn't disseminated beyond academia is more to the point. Mm, um, because because there's plenty of descriptions, like uh, contemporary descriptions of you know, they have a statue of this emperor and they got his hair wrong and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, because I was an adult when I found out that it, it wasn't actually all white marble. Yeah, that's a, like I said, that's in, in popular knowledge. I think that's a newer thing. But okay. uh, yeah, so they're all, you know, they're standing around in white in this sort of great hall. Zeus sits down on his seat and behind him are like these laser lights. And it's a cool effect. I do like the lasers behind Zeus. It was cool. You know, the blue lasers with the mist and no matter wh where he leans, they always adjust it so you can't see the origin, which is mostly because no one wants to see the lights that are there. But it looks cool because, like, it's not overstated. Like, uh, in um, the remake, you remember Liam Neeson's in this big shiny armor shit? Mm -hmm. Here, he's not dressed any better than uh, any of the other gods, other than he's got a, a crown, which is not much of anything. Yeah. You know, I love the set. I love that it's very sparse. It's pillars and floors. And the closest thing to furniture is his throne and his little playroom with the racks of clay mm -hmm. dolls and the, the amphitheater. And there's a couple gold statues there. And Zeus is pissed because, of course, he's just watched his, his latest, well, conquest and his son cast off to sea. And so he goes to... Uh, Poseidon and says, release the last, was it the last of the Titans? Nothing can wipe out or forgive this one contemptible act of blood. Does it matter? The death of a girl and her child. A girl? His daughter! After a lifetime's respect and devotion. Enough, I've decided. Acrisius must be punished. And his people with him. My lord Poseidon, I command you to raise the wind and the sea, destroy Argos, and to make certain that no stone stands, that no creature crawls, I command you to let loose the last of the Titans. Let loose the Kraken! Which, no, the Kraken is not a Titan, but okay, move it on. Release the Kraken. And Poseidon doesn't look really happy about that, but he does it anyway. In well, what... none, of them are, none of them are thrilled about it. They're like, oh, fine. Yeah, um, mostly because his, his order isn't go kill the king. It's destroy Argos. Like he, 
he wipes out a city state because he's pissed at the king because once again zeus is an asshole yeah. <laughs> like he's brutal um well, hera talks him out tries to talk him out of it davis tries to talk him out of it and he's like no luck will be with perseus destroy our, uh yeah destroy argos yeah so then there's the next really awful special effect which is like this underground cave with the actor who played poseidon who i assume they brought into like a water tank in the back of the studio and then when you see the uh, the zoomed out one of him like actually opening up the uh uh, the gates to the uh, to the kraken's underwater prison (laughs) some guy with a sharpie yeah, it's so bad. Like, there's so much thick black around him. It's it's really fucking awful. But then, you know, the wind picks up at the city. And back on Mount Olympus, Zeus takes the clay statue of the king and crushes it in his hand. And at the same time, the king is crushed. Like, it's not gross. It's like... That like was like gra- Bugs Bunny acting, though. Oh, yeah. He, he grasps his chest and, dying, I'm dying, I'm dying and then you see a little bit of blood i mean it is a pg death but that's what i like about this it's got that 60s yeah not campy it's sort of this overly dramatic because that's to them what an epic film was like you know you know the 10 commandments was can we dial this up to 11 uh and that's what this is but yeah so he dies and in the meantime the kraken shows up and again that's um that stop motion animation i always wanted that toy the kraken toy i was totally jealous of my friend who had one wow and well, they were big and they were expensive, so my parents wouldn't buy them for me. And it, they essentially, the Kraken creates a tidal wave that wipes out the city, and that's kind of that. And then at the, at the same time, they make sure that the uh, the coffin uh, holding Perseus and Mom find its way to some. I don't even remember the name of the island, Seraphos. No, that's the sure. name of the city. Some uh, some some island some, somewhere. Some island, yeah. Yeah. Danai and her child have been brought safely to the island of Seraphos. So they hang out naked and on the beach. And, you know, I think people forget that in Greece, nudity wasn't an issue. Like people, like, first off, it's freaking hot in Greece. People quite often just threw like a, like something over their shoulder and walked around naked. And that was whether you were pretty or not. So the idea of a naked mother walking along the beach with her infant naked son, that's just not an issue. There's nothing... And this is a PG film and it's, you know, it's for kids. You see her from behind, but there's nothing sexual about it. At one point you see her breastfeeding. Well, that's what they're for. What's that? That's kind of what they're for. Well, yeah, it's kind of the design, Um, you know, but multi-use, but in any case, uh, you know, but like normally a breast, the the presence of a breast or the word fuck is an auto restricted, but here they gave it PG. And I guess probably the argument was there's nothing sexual here. She's breastfeeding. Get over yourself. And every so often that happens. Like there was an episode of Chicago Hope in the, what was it, the, the 90s, where a 16-year-old girl needs a reconstructive breast surgery. And at the end of it, they take off her shirt so she can see the work they've done. And it was, in fact, it was an actress, fully bare-chested, 8 o'clock on NBC. And you know what? No one said shit. The censors, and they didn't sneak it by the censors. It was just like, there's nothing sexual here. Move on. Um, yeah. And as a kid... It never occurred to me, oh, boobies, mostly because I was six. But, you know, like, there's nothing sexual in it. It's just, it's the way it was. Naked Perseus, naked mom. Um, yeah. And then we go back to, we go back to Olympus, and we get to hear about Calabos. And who's Calabos's mother? Or Calabos, whatever. Uh, Thetis or something? 
It's uh, yeah, Thetis, Thetis, that's right. Yeah, Maggie, Maggie Smith. And yeah, um, Calabos is this beautiful prince who's meant to marry the princess Andromeda, but he's a dick and he kills uh, the winged stallions, which is something they get wrong because there is just the wind winged stallion, there is just Pegasus, but whatever. Yeah. Well, you, um, like they, 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 I thought they had set him up somewhere really cool to reign, like, and he just killed it, he killed everything. Hunted and pillaged and destroyed the whole place, right? Yeah, like I, I, I don't remember what exactly he said, other than he's cruel and he killed. I think, he, I think Zeus is pissed because he killed his horses. Yeah, you know, Zeus, right. Zeus always takes revenge on people who mess with his stuff, his kid, his horses. I don't think he cares beyond that. And then he says he'll be punished. He will be, you know, I'm going to twist his body. And this is probably the best effect in the whole darn movie. And it's certainly the most chilling, which is that he sets the Calabos clay figure down in the middle of the miniature amphitheater. And the camera focuses on the shadow it casts on the floor. And it's this really creepy animation where the shadow twists in pain and he puts his hands up to his head and the shadow looks like it's um, horns. Mm -hmm. And when his hands drop down, they are horns. I love that part. Yeah, oh, really yeah. Good. It's an amazing artistic bit where the shadows form something and then it becomes that thing, the horns. And the tail comes out and then you zoom back out. And, of course, we see the new claymation or the new, uh, not claymation, the new clay statue. And it's of the twisted Calabos who has fangs and is hairy all over. And he's this big hunched over brute with a tail. He's monstrous. And Thetis is very upset. Even she complains to another goddess. It's like Perseus is, you know, Perseus is protected and my son is punished, you know, for no reason. You know, it's our first hint, I think, in the movie that the gods do not all see on the same page. <laughs> They're really, actually, that's not true. I mean, I guess the whole thing with destroying Argos did go down well with the other gods. But here we're seeing, you know, we're seeing goddesses in pretty much openly talking shit about the boss, which I love. It's really cool. And so Thetis decides, okay, you're going to screw with my son. I'm going to screw with yours. So we see a now a grown-up Perseus, who thankfully has acquired underwear. He decides to go to sleep on the beach beside a fire. And she takes his um, clay statue. Thetis takes the clay statue and puts it in the middle of an amphitheater. And he wakes up in an amphitheater. <laughs> and this is actually my favorite scene from the whole film. Where he gets up, he doesn't know where he is. And then out of the vomitorium, that's what it's called, out of the vomitorium, you hear this, Who are you? Who are you? Show yourself! And he's freaking out, and this guy comes out with a, a, a traditional Greek mask, which was really good looking. That was a cool looking mask. And he says, where am I? And, and Amon takes the mask off. What do you mean, where are you? Like, just pop. <laughs> what? You know, yeah. It's like, it goes from no, scary. The curtain. Yeah, it, it goes from scary to silly over, like, just in one second. It's great comedic timing. This, this movie's actually very funny. And, and, and the humor's not uh, cheesy. It's actually, like, it, there's a lot of pratfalls, but it's cute. It's not belly laughs, but that's what happens when you have a, when you have a, a good cast, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, the middle cast. Are you playing on your phone? I'm looking up a vomitorium. Oh, that's the passage uh, that leads off the stage between the aisles. Sorry. <laughs> now you know what it is? Yep. Okay, yeah. It, it, yep. It's only it's only for like Coliseum type theaters? Right. Yeah, so. 
these days we just call it the bomb usually but because, because vom- vomitorium sounds really fucking gross not, but uh, not, not all of us are are history and theater majors i was never a theater major but i spent a lot of time in theater so the only theater i ever worked on with the vomitorium is the university of calgary's uh university theater which has a bomb but of course, I was a light guy, so I, when I did the high school drama festival, I always worked in their light room, which was fucking awesome, by the way. Um, nice. Hey, I, I came from a high school, so it was really awesome. But anyway, Perseus meets Amon, played by, again, Burgess Meredith, you know, the Penguin, or Mickey from the Rocky films. And he, you know, he, you know, he, he's a playwright, and he's an actor, and he runs the theater. They invite him inside, and he says, you know, something dark has sort of befallen our city, which, of course, we know what it is, which is that... Uh, Andromeda can't get married until, uh, what is it? Uh, someone solves a riddle. The problem is the riddle changes every time a new suitor guesses wrong and no suitor gets a second try because they wind up burned at the stake. Well, she was supposed to marry. Calabos. Calabos. Yeah. And said, ew, no. Yeah. And uh, is it that, yeah, I think, isn't it that, Calabos' mom, the goddess Thetis, isn't that she says you can't marry until... Yeah, it was was a curse by her, yeah. Yeah, how dare you not marry my hideous, cruel, monstrous, evil son. (laughs) Okay. Uh, (laughs) In the meantime... Yeah, well, exactly. He kills people and, you know, he's got fangs now. Um, (laughs) Kissing (laughs) is a problem. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I love that Amon dresses Perseus in theater stuff. Like, gives him a theater sword. A shitty little theater sword <laughs> and theater cloaks because that's all he's got. Yeah, it's it's perfect that this this B movie is is presenting its hero as a B hero who is dressed in theater clothes in theater costumes. It's hilarious. We go back to to uh, Olympus and Zeus is pissed yeah. <laughs> that Thetis dropped his son off. But the neat thing is, I mean, he could just scoop perseus and put him back but first off that wouldn't be much of a story and the greeks like to tell a good story about their gods so he says oh okay you can we too can play at this game so he orders him to be given a helmet a shield and a sword of godly qualities and the next morning perseus wakes up and finds a helmet which is a cloaking device a sword which cuts through marble and a shield which provides FaceTime with olympus it's really cool ancient greek skype <laughs> <laughs> It is actually kind of funny because he, he, he says, oh, look at this helm. And you hear, no, try me first. <laughs> what? Like the shield's talking to you. Perseus turns around the shield. <laughs> and it's, it's Zeus. It's, it's Zeus. Hey. Um, oh, we're here. But it, it was a well done sequence. I didn't think it was cheesy. The, it looks like he's, it really does look like he's sort of deep in the shield. Almost like the shield is a portal. Yeah. The sound of it, like it's echoing in the metal was very cool. Perseus! Perseus. Perseus. Mark me, Perseus. And of course, Lawrence Olivier does a great job. And essentially says, go find your destiny. And he says, um, okay. That's, that, that's the last thing any, any dude in Greece wants to hear. Is a god show up and say, find your destiny? Well, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to be a farmer and marry the cute chick down the road. Now I got to go like slay stuff. Come on. And then, and then his, his theater buddy says, oh, you can't ignore the God stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. it's uh, And so he puts on the cloaking helmet and wanders off and winds up in whatever city this is. Perseus. 
Where are you going? To Joppa! And, you know, he wanders along, and this is a 1960s parade of exotic oriental mysteries. You know, like, it's it's not quite racist, but it's a lot of bullshit. But it's still yeah. cool as all hell. Like, none of it's offensive. Country, country guy, first time in the city. Yeah, exactly. And it's very, very cool. And he meets like the captain of a guard. I also had that. I also had that figure. I had them all. Um, and he sort of explains the deal that we're cursed and there are all these marsh flies and, you know, there's a riddle. And yeah, if you guess wrong, you wind up barbecued and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then Perseus does the totally not cool Me Too thing. He waits that night and uses his cloaking device helmet, sneaks into Andromeda's bed and checks her out. Because well, look who his dad is, though, right? I mean, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't try and take advantage of her, mostly because before he can, a giant ass vulture shows up, <laughs> and Andromeda's ghost gets up, <laughs> and Andromeda's ghost sits in a cage, which has like a perch on top, and the and vulture takes off with her. That's a Greek Uber. <laughs> Greek yeah. Uber. Uh, whatever we've had great we've had uh, greek facetime or greek skype so why not is this a scene where we get the first the first riddle or is that next no he's he's got to go f- find pegasus first pegasus, that's right. so yeah. they can follow the vulture right so he sneaks off because he can't follow the you know the vulture or the greek uber however you want to put it oh he does actually lay a hand on her so that's creepy it's just the, yeah but still like dude you know but anyway um yeah, so he goes it, back to... It wasn't weird watching it, though. Like No, no, there's no Me Too. I mean, I'm joking. It's not Me Too-ish. It's, it is what it is. Yeah. He's in love with her because she's beautiful. Because in, that's how it works in mythology. You see her and you fall in love with her. Okay, cool, I guess. But yeah, there's it, it's all perfectly innocent. Like I have no trouble showing this to anyone. There is no one I wouldn't recommend this to. So anyway, he goes back to Ammon at the theater and explains, yeah, this is what happened. And he says, oh, well, you got to go find Pegasus. So they find Pegasus, and in a scene which was uh, much more believable than the uh, the horse taming scene from The Legend of the Lone Ranger, uh, <laughs> uh, less grunting. <laughs> Pegasus is tamed by Perseus uh, rather easily, actually, and immediately he learns how to fly. And he flies the very like th- that night. He, he well, flies. He's a he is, but I don't think he knows that. I don't think he's quite clued in. I don't. I, I honestly don't remember from the actual myth whether Mom A knew it was Zeus and B if she did. Did she actually tell Perseus? I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, the uh, one thing I. Sorry, go ahead. That this movie did, was inaccurate on. Yeah, you know what though. For mythology, I, but it I was wanna, still fun. Yeah, I don't want to quibble with it's accurate here, it's not accurate there. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I think we'll talk in detail about mythology is when we get to the part about Medusa, Medusa, because I want to talk about that kick-ass statue. Um, yeah. And how hard done by Medusa is, because she's the victim here. She's she not the... Really she really is. She is so not the monster, but we'll get there. So anyway, Perseus, in, in a few minutes, and with much more skill than the Lone Ranger, tames Perseus and flies off to intercept Greek Uber... Tames uh, Pegasus. What's that? What'd I say? Because the name's backwards. Perseus tames Pegasus, not the other way around. That'd be a very different film. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, Perseus tames Pegasus and catches up with the Greek vulture Uber and follows them out to this shitty swamp where we learn that ghost Andromeda is meeting every day with Calibos. And it's interesting because we see Calibos in two different ways. We see him as the actor and the makeup is gorgeous. He's meant to be monstrous. He's got the protruding Neanderthal uh, forehead and he's got these two goat horns and he's super bushy and he's, he's a brute. He's not just a monstrous, he's a brute. But then we also see him as stop motion and he's terrible. And I don't understand, like, if they if they had such good makeup, why not just use him other than maybe his tail? Maybe they couldn't get the tail to work on the actor. I don't know. Because I don't think we ever actually see the tail on the actor. It's interesting because Andromeda comes off as very uh, shallow here because, like, Calibo says, you once loved me and now you don't. And we don't get the hint that it's anything other than, yeah, but you're ugly now. Like, she comes yeah, off... Yeah, like she comes off as kind of vapid. But in the meantime, he's the one who provides the uh, the riddles. And the riddle is, I'm guessing, in Greek. I don't, that's all Greek to me. But, uh, but I don't, like, I don't speak Greek. So I, I couldn't, yeah, I didn't, I couldn't read it. Yeah. Uh, and so she wanders off to get, to get on her Uber to go home. And he notices the footsteps in the sand and he follows them out into the swamp. Of course, it's Perseus who's been watching all this with his cloaking helmet. And... There's a fight in the swamp. He loses the helmet. It goes mm -hmm. into the swamp, so it's gone. And Perseus gets away from Calibos by hacking off his hand, which we don't actually see happen. So the next day, we're in the temple, actually the temple of Thetis, with mom and, and you know Andromeda and her mom. And he's like, is there anyone out there who can answer the riddle? And Perseus says, I can, mostly because he's been cheating, because he, you know he was there when he got the riddle and presumably the answer. And it's a cool riddle, like it's a very Greek mythological sounding uh, riddle. I beg you, abandon me. Ask your riddle. In my mind's eyes I see three circles joined in priceless, graceful harmony. Two full as the moon, one hollow as a crown, two from the sea, five fathoms down. One from the earth, deep under the ground. The whole, a mark of high renown. Tell me, what can it be? Have courage, princess. What can it be? Three circles joined, two moons, and a crown. Tell me! The answer is a ring. Two perfect pearls and a circle of gold. The ring of the Lord of the Marsh. The pearl ring of Calabos. Here. Oh. On the claw hand of Calabos himself. Isn't that convenient? <laughs> and, and that's it. They're declared, oh, you know, it's over. You will now get married. And they're married. Like, it's like that simple. Is that how you, like Clint won you? Did he, like, solve a riddle and you got married that night? No, no I, don't, I don't. I don't. I thought they got interrupted though. Uh, they didn't quite get married because they got married again at the end. You're you're right. You're right. That's right. There's the there's the party that night, and the next day there's going to be the marriage. That's right. Yeah. So they go off and have a party, and it's kind of neat because Ammon, the uh, Burgess Meredith character, stands in as Perseus's father, mm -hmm. and Andromeda's 
mother, who is the queen, the ruler of the city, she seems to treat him like an equal, even though he's he's trash. He's an actor. It's not like now. The actors weren't celebrities back then. They were trash. And she seems to accept him as an equal. And I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, it is neat. Yeah. You know, even though he's wearing what is, again, clearly something he took from the costume chest. That's kind of neat. In the meantime, Calabos is now praying to his mother in the temple. And it's kind of neat because doesn't she speak to him? She does. Those, That's right. The statue right. comes alive. Yeah. Like well, the face a, does. A lot of Greek uh, temples, they're like sort of these long, narrow things. And at one end would be the god or goddess, either seated or standing. And so when you prayed to the goddess, you were literally looking at her or, you know, him in case of Zeus. And so here it's Thetis seated. Oh, he no, demands justice and she says justice or revenge. That's right. That's right. And he's like, ah. uh, yeah, because it really is revenge. Though, let's be honest, Perseus was kind of a dick. Like he didn't have to. Perseus invaded Calabos's lair, his the kingdom he rules, which is a swamp, peeks in on something that he shouldn't and hacks the dude's hand off. Like, really? Well, he could have killed it, too. Yeah, I know. This is very much the heroes are the heroes, and we you know, we don't question uh, us, us versus them. Good guys versus bad guys. Yeah, that's very much the Greek. I mean, I found uh, a lot of similarity between this and is it Legend we did a million years ago. Yes, where he was given the tools and then he lost them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that part seemed the same. Yeah, because he gets a uh, what does he get? He gets a shield. A shield. Which a he sword. uses to reflect a uh, seal of the sword, and and he gets armor, he gets wow. male armor, right? But he 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 loses it piece by piece as he uh, yeah goes through the adventure. Well, that's very much a trope, right? Like the yeah. the weapons of the gods, or in the case of legend, it was just sort of the weapons of the forest or whatever the elves. They can only take him so far, and then he has to slowly but surely he has to he has to grow out of them. He doesn't mm-hmm. need them as a crutch anymore. You know, he didn't, he needed the helmet for one thing and then he doesn't need it anymore. So he loses it. Mm. He needs the shield for, it turns out one thing and then he loses it. It's destroyed. The only thing he gets to keep is the sword because a hero needs a sword. Yeah. Because, because he has the sword right into the end, I believe. Think so? Pretty sure. Not that it's much use against the Kraken, but uh, as I recall, he kept it. In any case, they're back in the, uh, the temple of Thetis the next day and you know, there are big crowds there and they're going to get married. And then mom opens her big goddamn mouth, <laughs> goddess damn mouth, and says, my daughter is prettier even than Thetis. Now, Heather, if you want to piss off a god or goddess, you go into their temple and say they're ugly. I, I really enjoyed Amon. That acting was perfect. His face was like, shut up, shut up, shut up. Like the, yeah. the actor just nailed it. Yeah, Burgess Meredith. He's he's a great actor. We remember him as the, the Penguin. It's a silly show and it's a silly character. But he also played Mickey. Like he's a he's a great actor. You know some of the and these are all character actors except for like obviously you know Lawrence Olivier, Maggie Smith. They're they're Royal Shakespeare Company. Yeah, she's she was pretty damn impressive. Uh, I mean, she still is. Professor McGonagall, uh, the Lady Dowager from Downton Abbey. She rocks. But. Uh, yeah, so mom does the stupid thing and insults Thetis in her her own temple. That's a really good idea. So the temple starts to crumble. People start to flee. The head falls off of the statue and opens its eyes in a really bad effect. They superimposed the image of 
Maggie Smith over top of the marble statue, which I thought was unnecessary. Like, that's the one case where I kind of wish they had done stop motion animation, but maybe they couldn't manage it. Yeah. And, and essentially, she says, in 30 days, you know, you must sacrifice your daughter to the Kraken for having insulted me in, in my own temple. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now she's okay with bringing down the hammer. Yeah. And that's the same thing. Like, she, she was dumping all over Zeus because he only punishes people who go after his stuff. And when does she drop the hammer? When someone insults her. She's not any yeah. better than Zeus no, no. is. These guys are all so petty, you know. Um, yeah. And it's kind of funny. So at the same time, uh, while all this is happening, Calabos, who is clearly under the impression that mom is not going to help, goes off and captures Pegasus with his caveman people. You know, I think they're just meant to be barbarians, which is to say non-Greeks. Barbarian, barbaros the Greek word, comes from, they used to mock non-Greek speakers and what we would say, blah, blah, blah. They said, bar, bar, bar. Oh, those, oh. those people in their foreign language, blah, blah, bar, 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 and bar, 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 bar became barbaros, barbarian. So these barbarians who don't speak intelligently and they're dirty and they're in skins, they, they practically look like cavemen, they capture Pegasus. And the next day, Perseus, you know, he's come back because he figured, you know, I can fly to this temple where we can get some answers on Pegasus. But Pegasus is gone. So now we ride. And Andromeda insists on riding with him. It's kind of a you go girl moment, I found. Yeah, she's, right. yeah she's an 80s girl. Like she's who gets the strong she world. Moment. You don't think so? No. She, well, she, but she also was, wasn't completely useless. Yeah, like she... She showed courage and... Yeah, I guess so. More she's than not... one hairstyle. <laughs> yeah, I get the impression if this were rewritten now, they'd have more substantial role for her. But here, she uh, she comes off as willful, like in a good way. Like, I'm going with you. I'm going to be the queen, so you really got to listen to me. And no one's willing to argue with her. So she and Percy is an Ammon and this king of, you know, this captain of the guard who I don't think we ever get his name. I should look. Thalo. That's his name. Yeah. Uh, Thalo. And a bunch of red shirts. I mean, guards. Uh, yeah. Per you know. Perseus says his name once at the end after the red shirts are all being yes. red shirts. And so they sort of ride off. And Zeus, again, is pretty pissed and looks to Athena, who's got this kick-ass owl named Bubo. And says, give him, give him Bubo. He needs guidance. And she says, -uh. and makes the coolest prop in movie history. <laughs> the, uh, I love Clockwork Bubo. Oh, he's so cool. That's the one amusing part of that crappy remake. Did you catch yeah. it? Where, oh, they're yeah. go where they're going through the chest of stuff and they come out, they come across the actual prop. So it says, what is that? Eh, I don't know. Some, something. And they just throw it over their shoulder. It's a funny bit. It's the only good bit in that remake. But yeah, Clockwork Bubo is super cool. She has one of the gods make it. I can't... What is the Greek god of the forge? Like in Vulcan, in, in Rome... Hephaestus. Hephaestus? Hephaestus? Um, Hephaestus. Really? Sorry. I've been saying that wrong for 40 years? You know what? It's Greek. It, whatever. It's my, my dad was a blacksmith. I, oh, okay. You know what? It, it, who the hell knows? And, and everyone's going to pronounce it differently. Like Zeus in, in Latin is Jupiter, but it's not. It's Jupiter because there's no J in Latin. Whatever, right? Uh, so the, the blacksmith dude makes clockwork boobo. I honestly think they, they looked at R2-D2 and C-3PO and said, give me that. You're looking up the pronunciation, aren't you? 
Uh-huh. We will wait so I can be corrected. It says Hephaestus. We're both wrong. Excellent. Um, okay. Yeah, we're both wrong. Cool. Excellent. Uh, huzzah for us. Um, so in, in, my, in my defense, uh, in five years of studying ancient and medieval history, I never once took uh, a language course. That's why I took ancient and medieval history as opposed to just classics. I avoided, Eng- I avoided the, uh, the language courses. Um, oh, I find language fascinating. Oh, so do I, but I can only speak one really well. I speak English really goodly, but I've studied Hebrew, uh, formally Hebrew, French, and German. I sucked at all of them. I dabbled in Klingon. Yes, don't laugh. And, you know, you can't help but pick up a little bit of Latin when you study ancient and medieval history for five years. So I get bits and pieces, but I'm terrible at language, and I recognize I will never speak a second language. That's just the way it is. But uh, so... Let's just go with what Google says. Um, sure. But Bubo, but Bubo is cool. Like he's uh he's kind of this goofy little thing. Who's <laughs> so good? Who, oh yeah, and he's like he keeps falling over because he doesn't understand how heavy he is. He's uh, an owl. Yeah, <laughs> but owls are supposed to be smart. The last owl we encountered was the great owl of Secret of Nim, and they had a pretty good grasp of things. But this this goofy thing doesn't know he's made of metal. He's very know? wise though. He knows lots of stuff. He does, and he sounds so cute. Too heavy for the dead branch, eh? How do you know that? He told me. Told you? His name is Bubo. Do you understand all those clicks and wheezes? Perfectly clear to me. It's another gift from the gods. Like the sword in a helmet. Yeah. The, The whistles are adorable. I want Bubo. Where is my Bubo? In the meantime, he climbs a, a rock face. Not any more believable than Prince Cowlin climbing the rock face in Kroll to go after the glaive. But sure. What's it? Well, yeah, less of a climb and less tights. Thankfully. Thankfully. And so he goes and he meets the Stygian witches. These three blind old bats who have, well, like it's, it's, it's an eye. They call it the eye. It's really a, uh, a glass bauble. And when they hold it to their forehead, they can sort of see. But really, the idea is they can see. They can see in the capital S version of the word. Like it gives them knowledge. It gives them understanding of how the world works. That's why people seek them out. But they live in some old rotted temple, and it's a mess. And they're cooking something right out of the Macbeth witches, which is, I'm sure was on purpose. And have, have we seen the Stygian witches before uh, in our podcast? Because they seemed really familiar. I could just be remembering this movie, though. You probably are. I mean, if you think it's always three. Macbeth, of course, always has the witch, the three witches, right? I don't think anything we've done has had three witches. Mm-hmm. We had the seer. Yeah, no. I... Seer. I think it's just you're remembering the movie. Yeah. I did... Might be um, Never Ending Story, too. Mm, nope. nope. No witches there. So there's another one where scrambling around looking for the eye on the floor. Anyway. Yeah, not... and I can't think of it. I know it, it's right there on the, just out of reach. Yeah. yeah. So that's where um, it is for me too. Damn it. And essentially they have a, you know, Perseus has one question, which is how do you defeat the Kraken? And they say, well, you can't, you're a mortal man. You're out of luck. But if you go and talk to Medusa, <laughs> she can do it. And he's a dick to them. He takes the, uh, the eye and throws it in 
their soup? Well, they were going to eat him. To, to be fair, he did need to escape. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, they did want to eat him. And yeah, because that's how, I mean, that's how he got their cooperation. He had Bubo steal the eye. And he says, you know, I'll give you back the eye when you give me some information. You know, you throw me the idol, I throw you the whip. But anyway, <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, so they get their information and off they go. And they ride, apparently the River Styx is nearby. It seems to be wherever you need it in these stories. And, and that's fine. You know, like the the Greeks had a great, vision of geography but it wasn't actually tied to a map Styx is in the east and mount olympus is here and hades is below and they have directions but it's not like you could lay out a map the way you can with lord of the rings and say here's how you get from hobbiton to the gap of rohan you know it's not like that yeah yeah but they're all they're all mythic places they can they can exist in other dimensions in other dimensions right yeah or in their case they just get there yeah yeah, so they go to the they go to the river Styx, which of course is what you cross after you die, mm-hmm. and you go to Charon the ferryman, who is literally just a skeleton in a cloak. Again, I had the, I had the figure, and he was as cool as hell. It's also a really good part. I mean, it's clearly just a model of you know like a skeleton, and he puts the you know the coin in his hand. He takes the he hops in the in the ferryman's well ferry, along with all the red shirts, but not Thalos. Thalos is going, yes, <laughs> let the red shirts take this one on the nose. And they cross the river Styx and they emerge into an island with, again, you know, like a wrecked temple. By the way, they filmed this in an actual temple in Cyprus. <gasps> cool. This is not a set. I assumed it was a set. Me too. It's totally not. They filmed this in a real temple in Cyprus or some such place. That's where they filmed a lot of this. All the internal sets were done in, well, where else? Green uh, Was it called Greenwood Studios or Pine, Pinewood Studios? Which is where the Star Wars films were done. It's in it's in, outside of London. Uh, but all the exterior stuff was done um, in the Med. And uh, this was done in, I think, Cyprus. It's pretty cool. You know, it's funny because all these, you know, these Greek movies we see, they always show Greek ruins. But they weren't ruins then. They were brand spanking new. But, you know, there wasn't the money to do the special effects for a pristine whatever so they went to an actual greek temple and good enough and they get attacked by again another i think we can agree a not great uh special effect a two-headed dog um which eats some of the yeah (laughs) which eats some of the red shirts (laughs) because of course it does because of course it does yeah and then they go down and they go after medusa now here's the thing growing up i always thought medusa had like the stink body she doesn't this is the only place that depicts Medusa as having the body of a snake. But this movie has influenced all the art about Medusa since then. Yeah, um, like sh- she's supposed to be beautiful from the neck down. Yeah. You ever play the game Smite? Nope. It's a cool MOBA where gods fight, like League of Legends, but it's gods. And their Medusa is the Medusa from this movie. Because it's cool looking, you know. But when you attack, when you when you fight Medusa in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, she's fully a woman with some, you know, snake hair and mm-hmm. some really angry eyes. So this is where we're going to talk about that statue just briefly. I came across this was about two weeks ago when we first started planning to do this. A, uh, an Italian sculptor created a statue called Medusa with the head of Perseus. It's a, a nude woman with snake hair looking right at you with a Greek sword in one hand and the head of Perseus in the other. And it's meant to be sort of a, a Me Too movement tribute, art-wise. 
But it turns out, I only found this out tonight, it's based on a, a, seven, a something made in the 1600s, a Renaissance statue, which I sent you the picture of, which is Perseus with the head of Medusa. And it's more or less the same statue, uh, a naked dude, and he's holding up Medusa, but she's got all, it's a much gorier statue than the new one, like this gore coming out of the, the neck and the body, and he's standing over the severed, twisted body of Medusa, and if you look at the statue... You can just search for Perseus with the head of Medusa. You can see that on Google. Though it looks like she was kneeling and fell backwards, which means he executed her. And he's looking down. But if you look at the Medusa with the head of Perseus, she's looking right at you. And I love that. She's not being submissive. She's not standing for your shit. And <laughs> that's, that's going to be displayed apparently across from a major courthouse in Manhattan. Awesome. Which is very, very cool. It's a gorgeous statue. It's very well made. Just like the original, it's, it's a Renaissance nude, which is to say it is, um, it is anatomically accurate. They're not hiding anything. And I appreciate that. There's no fig leaf. Um, yeah. You know. But again, it's not sexual. It's just, it's it's just the naked human form. It, yeah, it's yeah. the naked human form. Exactly. This is the one time where I want to talk about myth. The best description we have of Medusa, unfortunately, comes from a Roman poem by Ovid called the Metamorphosis, which was essentially the Roman version of the Greek gods. They shared gods. They have different names. Roman religion is Greek, Greek religion plus Etruscan religion, but it's more or less the same. So Medusa was a maiden in the temple of Athena who was stalked and raped by Poseidon. Athena was pissed at Medusa for being impure and allowing herself to be raped so athena curses medusa with the head a monstrous head of snakes and a gaze which turns men to stone i can't help but wonder if that is it has sexual undertones turning men hard but in a bad way <laughs> no really like i i yeah, wonder no, if that's it. it i wonder if that's the myth or if that's the writers certainly wouldn't be the first time that a greek or roman writer had sexual innuendo in their play you know, oh, yeah, no, uh, not at all. Yeah, uh, in the playlist Estrada, when the women go on a sex strike, the men are all uh, portrayed as walking around with massive two-foot boners um, because they haven't had sex in, in, in weeks and they're desperate. Good play, by the way, Liz Estrada. But yeah, Medusa's the victim here. She's raped by a god. So even if she'd wanted to fight him off, that wasn't going to happen. And another god who damn well knows what happened punishes her anyway because she allowed herself to be raped and she is now impure in the temple so not cool and of course eventually with the help of athena and poseidon they help they actually help perseus hunt down medusa and take her head that's bullshit like i said the gods are assholes medusa to me is the hero but here she's definitely the villain and so perseus goes into this temple and first we see a, an image of, like, sorry, the shadow of Medusa. And she has a rattlesnake, bo a rattlesnake <laughs> body with the rattler and everything, which is cool. And there's all these statues, which, of course, are, you know, men who have been there before. Though why anyone else would go to see her, I couldn't tell you. There's some play back and forth with the rest of the red shirts getting killed and turned into statues. And eventually Perseus takes the shield and uses it because apparently... He can look at her through the, the, the reflection in the shield, and he takes her head. But he loses the shield because the body spits out bloody acid that melts the shield. So now he's lost his second of three items. Anyway, he wanders off with the head of Medusa. Now it's just him and Thalos. One night they're asleep by the fire. 
Calibos goes out of nowhere, stabs the head, it bleeds. The icky blood winds up on some scorpions, which turn big, and they fight them off, which is like right out of a bad 50s sci-fi film. That guy's got some magic powers. Like, Is it Calibos, or is it just that he's got does a... he just know how it works? I think he just knows how it works. Because remember, he uses the, the three-pronged fork on the end of his severed his stump, mm. stabs the, the head, which is, in a, which is in like in a sack, it bleeds, and the, the blood drops on the scorpions. They turn big. I don't think he, I don't think Calibos himself has anything to do with it other than, you know, he's were the, created. Were the scorpions there? Or did yes. it just drop in the sand and form scorpions? Uh, I never noticed that the scorpions were there before. Like, that's new information for me. Let's find out. Oh, and he also whips Bubo because he's a bastard. Yeah. Okay, so there's blood them? and it drips. And it, it looks like jello. And it creates the scorpions. You're right. It creates the scorpions. Who then conveniently grow. Because a lot. Of course. Yeah, it's interesting because where the blood drops, I'm just noticing for this for the first time, there are maggots in the pool of blood. Oh. I th- yeah, I think the idea is that the blood creates corruption. Mm. Right? And then Calabos, like I said, whips the... Uh, whips a bubo off his perch so he won't warn them, but they wake up anyway, and there's a, a daring do sword fight where the last of the uh, the red shirts, I mean guards, gets yeah. killed. And I think Fallos gets it too. Yeah, he's, yeah. he saves Perseus, yeah, throws Perseus, his sword or something. That's right. Perseus, Perseus, Perseus wins, but Fallos dies. Yeah, and and then we're back to the city where there's a procession to the sea, and they chain her to this rock against the sea. And the plastic model, I mean, the Kraken comes out of the water. And just in time, Perseus shows up on Pegasus with uh, Bubo in tow, who sort of flies around and pisses off the Kraken and gets swatted out of the air. Bubo does go rescue uh, Yeah, Pegasus. because... Uh, no, he rescues the head, remember? Because Perseus has knocked off of Pegasus. Over Pegasus before, after the after the scorpions, Perseus is laying there all by himself, beat up. And Perseus or uh, Bubo wakes him up. Bubo comes out of the out of the water and says, "It's not all over." Right. Perseus says, "Go go find Pegasus." Right. So oh, right. We totally missed a bit, didn't we? Rescues the horse. That's yeah. right. That's right. Because the, the cavemen are still hanging around in the swamp. That was a completely forgettable scene. <laughs> because well, you got you to keep, you got to pitch into where the horse is. Yeah. We also forgot to mention that Calabos gets killed. Because after he finishes off the scorpions, he takes on Calabos by stabbing him with a sword in another, I'm dying, I'm dying scene. So yeah, so now we got Perseus, now we've got the head, now we've gotten rid of all those pesky extras, and it's time to move on to the, you know, chain your daughter to the rock scene, uh, which she does, and Perseus gets knocked off the horse, and, per, you know, uh, Pegasus goes into the drink, and so does the uh, the head. Bubo comes out of the water with the head, Perseus pulls it out of the bag, turns the Kraken into stone, which I thought was a cool effect. Definitely. You know, it's your standard turns to stone, cracks and falls sort of thing. And they're married and that's kind of it. I mean, it is cute. The marriage scene where uh, Ammon is holding Bubo and Bubo has a sling and a crutch. (laughs) (laughs) I just I just love everything about Bubo. Oh, Bubo's adorable. 
Uh, and then, you know, Zeus is all happy and says, now they will have a peaceful life and they will be remembered in the stars and they show the constellations that are named after them. And that's kind of the film. I love this film. I, I adore it. I think it's, 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 it's fun. It's a throwback to the 60s before my time, but I, I've always enjoyed this. Um, oh, yeah. It's a good one. And the music is wonderful. I mean, it's, it's, it's generic and heroic, but it's, it's wonderful. And yeah, I, I got a kick out of it. You know, it's funny because we talk a lot about how, you know, it's Greek mythology. That's how we always talk about it. Greek mythology. And I always try to correct myself. It's not Greek mythology. It's Greek religion. These people were as important to the Greeks as, as Jesus is to a Christian or the prophet Muhammad is to a Muslim or yeah. whatever. The difference was, is that they imagined their gods as, well, dicks who you didn't like, you had to kind of endure them. Yeah. All of this shit happens because Zeus and Thetis have a pissing match over their kids. And that's very much the theme of a lot of Greek, I'm going to say it, Greek mythological stories is gods essentially screwing around and having fun and humans having to deal with it. It's a little bit like Godzilla and Mothra having a fight and knocking down buildings. Just a little more, you know, symbolic and less growly. Yeah, what I, I love it in the credits. Uh, did you notice that uh, they show they actually list the actors and the monsters? Mm-hmm. They they list Bubo and they list yep. the Kraken. I and like, yeah, I like the order of the credits entirely with the mythologicals and the humans and the and the gods and yeah, it's they gave it's everyone great. well they treated Bubo and the Kraken and Medusa like like cast members. That's not a stop motion animation model. No, no, that's a character in our movie. That's cool. I said, I wonder if this movie's going to see a, a resurgence of popularity with the Seattle Kraken. I hope so. Though, if their tailgate parties involve, you know, sacrificing naked virgins, that, that's mm. yeah. That's, those tailgate parties going to be lit. Wait, do <laughs> hockey? Do, do NHL teams have tailgate parties? Is that a thing? Not really. No. Not really. Okay. Well, I that's think probably... that's more of a football thing. Okay, that's probably for the best. So, any final thoughts on on this movie? Uh, no, still awesome. I had I had nothing to worry about watching it as an adult. It's still rock. You gonna show it to your kids someday? Oh yeah, for sure. I've already bought him his first Greek mythology reference book. Oh, very good. He's using it as a paperweight, but we'll get you'll there. Get, you'll get there. You know what? I'm wrong. This was not my introduction to Greek mythology. The 1960s Hercules cartoon was. Oh. <gasps> You're right. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot that same as me. That cartoon rocked. Oh, it totally was. Hercules, 
hero of song and story, Hercules, winner of ancient glory, fighting for the right, fighting with his might, with the strength of ten ordinary men, Hercules, people are safe when near him, Hercules, only the evil fear him, softness in his eyes, iron in his thighs, virtue in his heart, fire in every part of the mighty. But this was the first live action. The same era, right? Well, I have to go watch that. Uh, yeah, I know with the, with the, with the with the World Wrestling Federation belt that with a big yeah. H on it. Yeah, Hercules. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's yeah, that's right. He uses a ring to uh, to get his powers. Oh, uh, oh yeah, oh. That was, those were just bad, man. Um, actually, no, they were actually pretty good cartoons. I'm sure you could find them on YouTube. Oh. Yeah, but this is the first live action one, and maybe that's what made it so neat. It's like these aren't cartoons. Like, remember, Pegasus was in the Hercules cartoon as well. It's like here, oh my god, it's like an actual guy riding a horse. And when you're six, you don't register that it's a dude, you know, superimposed on a claymation model. And I just don't think the special. I mean, it'd be nice to clean up a little of the special effects, like around the edges. But nah. other than that, it's like enjoy this film for what it is. You know, it's it's exactly right. Yeah. So I love stop motion. It's a style. It's like puppetry. It's like I mean, people say, "Oh, puppets look so stupid." It's like you're hoping they'll be real. Stop hoping. It's 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 own, puppetry is its own thing. Stop motion animation is its own thing. Why must it be realistic? This isn't three D computer rendered graphics. Yeah, this is stop motion animation. Yeah, have fun with That's that. What it looks like. Yeah. So on that note, any last words before I slice your head off and make off with it? Mm, you could try. You're a little ways away now. Yeah. Um, and there it is. 